Hello guys and welcome back to Just Like Other Girls with me, Shannon Fiedler. What's up? How is everyone feeling? How are we doing on this lovely fall day? Well, I mean, which is kind of like a silly thing to say in a podcast because like you guys could listen to this whenever and it very well may not be a lovely fall day while you're listening. Um, you might live in a totally different part of the world. You may listen to this six months from now and be like, it's spring, but I'm speaking my truth. And right now it is a lovely fall day in New York City and I am living for it. I am loving the drop in temperature. I'm not even mad at the sun setting a little earlier. And I know I will rue the day that I said that and those words will come back to bite me in the you know where because in like two months when it gets dark at 4 p.m. I'm gonna be like, what the hell? But right now I'm just, I'm here for the cozy. I'm ready for cozy season. I'm ready to light candles and read books and wear sweaters and drink hot beverages. I was so happy I went for a walk this morning, got like some fresh air, I had a sweatshirt on. I went out, I wasn't even planning to get a coffee but like the spirit moved me and the, the fall feeling spoke to me and so I went into this new coffee shop that I've been meaning to try and I got a hot latte, not iced, and I continued my little hot girl walk with my hot girl hot latte and I was just so happy to be in a fall vibe. And then it like started to get a little too warm, like the sun was, was doing a little too much effort and I was like, all right, relax, it's not summer anymore. We are deep into September, let's get, let's, let's, let's get to the fall and stick to it and, and keep with that. I had a really, really busy week last week and a really fun week. I did like a lot of fun New York things and, and work things and um, I made it to Philadelphia. I had a show in Philly on Saturday and it was, I, I would say it was in earnest my first time in Philadelphia. Um, I had been truly for the first time uh, in February, I had a show at the City Winery in Philly, but the way that my schedule worked out, I kind of like, I took the train in, I got to Philly at like 5 p.m. My show was at 8, so like I checked into the hotel, showered, made it to the venue, went through the show, and then the next day, this was when I was touring, so the next day I had a flight to Boston pretty early, so after the show, I just went back to the hotel and watched like dumb TV and then the next morning went to the airport. So yes, I had been in the zip code of Philadelphia before, but um, I never really spent any time there. So Pat and I went down Saturday morning for my Saturday night show and we spent the day in Philly and we had such a good time. It is such a charming city, but I feel like it's a city that people don't talk about for better or for worse. You know what I mean? Like I, I haven't heard a lot of opinions on visiting Philly. Um, and it, that seems a little crazy to me because it's so close to New York City. It's under 90 minutes on the train. So I, I was kind of surprised that I had never been there and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I obviously got a cheesesteak. I saw the Liberty Bell. I walked around and looked at all the cute little houses, um, went to a bar that like, we just had a really good time. I, uh, I will be posting my first ever vlog about it, uh, on my YouTube once I finish editing it. 
and I can't give you a time frame on that because since it is my first vlog, I do not know how long the editing process is going to take me. And I imagine this time it'll take me a little longer than it will eventually because I'm learning how to do it. But this is me inspiring you to try to learn new things and to add new skills and assets to your repertoire. So I am trying to add vlogging to mine. So, um, you know, if you're interested in seeing my trip to Philly, uh, give it a watch when it goes live. I will definitely post about it and you can follow me on YouTube. I'm at Shannon Fiedler 13 like I am everywhere else and you can see it there. Uh, I, you know, it's not like a, like a, you know, travel influencer kind of vlog. It's still very much me and and comedy and my opinions. It's honestly like, it's like if I took this podcast on the road and just like reacted live to what I was seeing, but it, it should feel a lot like this podcast. So if you like the podcast, you might like it. Who knows that that was that. So we went to Philly, which was great. And then the next day I had a show in New York, um, and did like a podcast interview, which was really fun. So it was just like a busy working weekend. But before we went to Philly on Saturday, Friday night, we went out with friends of ours and we've been trying to do this thing where we've been trying to go on more interesting dates or not just dates, but like nights out. And I don't know if I know this is a New York thing. I'm sure people feel this way in other cities. I know that it's like a very common thing that people make fun of in New York, but we, um, it, it's very easy to default to just drinking and eating every time you want to go out with people in New York City. And I get it. The, the restaurant scene, the bar scene, it's insane here. Like you could go out to eat with someone every single day of the year and go to a different restaurant every single time and never have a bad meal. Like there's so much in the culinary scene here. And so it is fun to go out to dinner. Um, obviously, that's also just like a default thing to do with people to share a meal. But Pat and I have been really trying to challenge ourselves to, even if it's just the two of us going out together, or if we're going out with other people, or even like not together at all, like if I'm going out with my girlfriends, or he's going out with the guys or something like that, like to do things specifically that New York has to offer that like we're like we live in this incredible city we should be taking advantage of it so trying to do like New York specific things and, and cultural experiences and stuff um we did one on Friday that definitely wasn't like New York specific and it certainly wasn't like culturally you know stimulating I well I don't even know if that's true but we went to a like paint and sip night it's called paint and pour on the Lower East Side um, and they are like way more about the party than the painting, which was fun. And it was the vibe that was right for like us going out with some friends that we were also like excited to catch up with and hang out with. Um, but I had never been to one of those before. I know everything about me says I've been to paint and sip nights. I get that, but I had never done one before. And we went, I, you know, what? I'm actually going to show you my, my picture because I was actually like, kind of proud of it. So the theme was living legends and um, the one that they were teaching you how to do was Jay-Z, which Pat did. He's a big Jay-Z fan, and he painted, he, like, followed the rules. But the guy who was teaching it was like, you know, you don't have to paint. that. You can paint whatever you want. You could paint a pot of flowers, like, whatever. And I was like, all right, well, Pat's already painting Jay-Z. We don't need two of those in the apartment. I'm not, like, 
I don't know Jay-Z's music super well, so I obviously picked my living legend, Taylor Swift. She kind of looks like Janice from The Muppets. If, you are, if you're familiar, that's the Muppet who's in the rock band. Um, but this was wild. There were these two women who were visiting from London, and I was in the bathroom at the restaurant. Pat was waiting um, to get a table, and these women were like, is that Taylor Swift, 1989? And Pat was like, I think. I don't know what album it is. And they were like, my daughter loves Taylor Swift. This is so amazing. And they asked to take a picture of it, which I was quite proud of because I don't think of myself as a visual artist. I mean, I'm not a visual artist. This is not, like, this certainly isn't going on our wall. You know what I mean? It's not amazing. But regardless, it was very fun to go out and to do something that was, like, just so different than what I do every day. And... It was kind of funny because we all got there and we were all like chatting and blah, blah, blah. And then the minute we put paintbrush to canvas, everyone kind of like didn't speak. Like we were all so in the zone and having so much fun. Um, And then we went to dinner at supper after. That was not the only fun thing that is not just dinner and drinks that I did last week. And the other one is definitely cultural and is definitely part of the benefit of living in New York City. And that was, I went with my friend to see a musical. So last week, my friend and I went to see Little Shop of Horrors, which is a favorite musical of mine. I was in it in high school. So it holds a special place in my heart. But we went to see Little Shop of Horrors. It's technically, it's an off-Broadway show right now. But that you, if you live in New York, you know that that means it's still unbelievable, high-quality, like incredible actors. Um, And Jeremy Jordan was in it. He was playing Seymour. Uh, If you're not familiar with Little Shop, that is the lead character and a pretty funny character. And Jeremy Jordan, I just adore him. And I have, since I first encountered him um, in the last five years movie, he's in it with Anna Kendrick. It's based on the musical of the last five years. Um, And I watched it like five years ago, honestly, at this point. But, But that was the first time I encountered Jeremy Jordan as an actor. And I was just so taken with him. He's so charming and his voice is just like, holy, unbelievable. He also played Jack in Newsies, which is another show I I really like. So when I saw that he was coming to Broadway or to off-Broadway, as the case may be, to play Seymour in Little Shop, I was like, I have to see this. I I have to. I'm going to have the best time if I go. And I put off buying tickets because, of course, I did. And then I got an email that he had like two weeks left. And so I texted my friend who I knew would go with me, and I was like, can we go see the show? And she had never seen it and she knew nothing about the show, which was fun to like see it with someone who was like truly seeing it for the first time. And if you know Little Shop of Horrors, it's kind of batshit. It's like, it's like a parody of like a B horror movie because like there's this giant plant that takes over the entire world. Spoiler alert. Um, so we went, we saw it. It was pure fun. I mean, this show is campy. This show is catchy every song it's it's the best and I we left and I was just so happy to have been at the theater to have seen a show that I loved so much and to be you know like literally I came home and I'm just like suddenly Seymour Pat's like what are you who is Seymour and I'm like ah, you don't get it but I, I got me thinking and I was like okay why do I love this show so much it can't just be because I was in it in high school because I was in some other shows in high school I was in a show called Smile, which was about a beauty pageant that I'm pretty sure it had like a 42-day run on Broadway and then it was closed down because 
the show is like there's like just nothing to the show that's very good but the show has like 17 female leads in it so for a high school theater department it is a dream show um but so I was like I can't just love high uh, I can't just love Little Shop because I'm familiar with it there has to be something about this show like why why do I love the show so much and I started thinking about it and I was like okay Little Shop of Horrors has everything that I personally want out of a musical and I'm about to give you my take and I'm about to give you my opinion and it is just that it is just my opinion so don't come at me if you disagree um but I was thinking about it and I was like what I want from a musical the most important thing I want from a musical is catchy songs that get stuck in your head to me there is no better feeling than leaving the theater or leaving watching a movie rendition of a musical or being in a musical or whatever and then for the next couple days you just have those melodies those harmonies those riffs stuck in your head in the best way possible i'm not talking like obnoxious earworm that just like gets lodged into your brain like the new burger king commercial jingle <laughs> like bk have it your way i don't want that stuck in my head anymore but you know, Skid Row, Suddenly Seymour, Don't Feed the Plants, I will happily have those songs stuck in my head. And I want to listen to them. And I want to belt them out myself, even if I don't have the singing chops to do so. So I want music that gets stuck in your head. And I also want it to be at least predominantly upbeat. Maybe not necessarily upbeat, but like high energy. You know, I, I want that feeling of like, there is a there's a physical force to a good Broadway musical song that it just like, it kind of overtakes you. And I love that. And because of that, you know, I, I mean, I look at the stuff that I like. I like shows that have big dance numbers and giant orchestrations and big numbers where the whole ensemble is singing and there's harmony and it's, it's fun and, and good, smart lyrics that are funny. That's another thing. I often want my musicals to be funny. So I'm not saying that every musical I like has to be like Book of Mormon level, a laugh a minute kind of musical, but I guess what I'm saying is like when I go to the theater to see a musical, I want to be entertained. I want those big dance numbers. I want spectacle. To me, spectacle is a huge part of what distinguishes the theater and something that is successful in a theater versus something you would watch on a screen. And I'm speaking specifically of musicals in that because I majored in theater in college and, and not musical theater, so I did a lot of straight plays. And I think, I think straight plays are very different, at least for the way that I'm categorizing them and talking about them right now. Like, I, I want something very different out of a straight play. For that, I want something that's like super emotionally raw and makes you think is perhaps a little bit more uh, academic or esoteric or whatever. And, and that's the reason you're doing it live in the room because there's something about like the rawness of those emotions happening in front of you instead of on a screen. And I just think that like people come to the theater for a straight play wanting something a little bit more literary than they might want from what they're just putting on TV to watch while they eat dinner, you know? So that that's a different thing. But for the musicals, I really just want something that feels larger than life. 
It can be totally over the top. There's lighting, there's puppetry, there's costumes, there's song and dance, quite literally. Like that is what I crave out of a musical. And when I look at what my favorite musicals are, they all feel really big like that and they all feel really uplifting. That's not to say that I don't think they can deal with deeper, more emotionally resonant themes. One of my favorite musicals is Into the Woods. There's no dancing in that musical. Yeah, none. And obviously that's a little heartbreaking for me. I love dance. But there's no dancing in that musical. Um, it's not exactly like an upper of an ending. You know, a lot of people kick the bucket in that show. And it deals with like themes of like parenting and what it means to have a good child. And like the the final song is Children Will Listen, which is there's something very hopeful in that song, but it's also very harrowing. So I'm not saying that I need to go and watch a show that is just sort of like funny, you don't think, you tap out, but I do I do want it to feel big and exciting. And I like a show that I leave feeling uplifted. Like I, I like having a joyful experience when I'm watching a musical. And I again, like I'm going to contradict myself here because there are plenty of musicals I like that are not super joyful. I already cited the last five years. Um, that that show, I've never seen it live, but I'm very familiar with the soundtrack and I've seen the movie. That show is the antithesis of everything I just said. There is no big ensemble. It is a two-person cast. They don't dance at all. <laughs> um, it's depressing. The songs get stuck in your head because the songs are amazing. They're beautifully well-written, but... I don't know. Anyway, I just, I, I love a show that has sparkle to it, like a big, giant musical. And to me, Little Shop, even though it's, that show is so dark, even though it's like campy as hell, it is so dark. I mean, spoiler, I, I hope I'm not, you know, if you don't want to know how this show ends, skip ahead, but like literally every single character in that play dies. <laughs> But it still manages to be, like, funny and hilarious. Um, there's so much good comedy and, like, comedy roles. And Alan Menken is truly, like, one of my heroes. Like, that man can write lyrics like no other. And, like, his musical prowess and Little Shop is no exception. That, that play is so funny and so good. He also wrote a lot of my favorite Disney movies. So... He's, like I said, he's one of my idols. But, but yeah, I was a theater kid in high school and in college, but like in kind of a different way. So I wasn't as up to date with musicals. And then, you know, I, I still love musicals, but I'm not as in the world as I was when I was younger. So I'm not that familiar with a lot of the new musicals. So there's like a new generation of musicals that I don't know as well. So a lot of my references are, some of them are even before my time. They're just like the classics that I grew up with from my mom, you know, that I was in when I was in like theater camps and stuff like Bye Bye Birdie or The King and I. Um, and again, I think any show that you're in holds a special place to your heart. Anyone who's ever done a play will tell you that. Like once you've been in a show, you kind of revere it in a very specific way. But I do have... I have a criticism of Broadway right now, and I know all of the Broadway producers are just waiting for my criticism. So 
No, but I, I think I think so many of the musicals that are coming out right now and that are on Broadway are, and by no means all of them, but a lot of them are falling into two categories, which are they are a reinterpretation of a movie that we now need have a musical version of. So like there was Spider-Man, there was Beetlejuice. I saw Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was a great musical. It was super fun. But there's a lot of musicals that are movies turned musical. And then there are an overwhelming amount of jukebox musicals right now. And if you don't know what a jukebox musical is, a jukebox musical is a show where all of the songs are popular or just like non-musical songs. So kind of like I would guess maybe like the prime example of this was Jersey Boys. And I'm not a historian, so forgive me if I'm not 100% correct on this, but I would have to guess that Jersey Boys, I think Jersey Boys was probably the first one. And it's the story of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and every song in the musical is a Jersey Boys song. So there's no original music. It's all music that already exists outside of Broadway. I don't know if that was the first one. That was definitely, like, the first big one that I knew of. Moving Out is also... Um, a big one that's a I think a Billy Joel one um, so there's there's just a lot of jukebox musicals coming to Broadway a lot of them are like biographies stories of the person who wrote the song so there was like a Gloria Estefan one there's a Michael Jackson one there's the Carol King one there's now the Neil Diamond one and I'm sure these stories are really wonderful and like I want to know about these people who I love their music but that's not what I'm looking for when I go to the theater. I'm looking for an original score with lyrics that move the plot forward. Okay, actually, I take it back. I take back my Jersey Boy statement. The most beloved popular jukebox musical is Mamma Mia. Um, and Mamma Mia is a story that is not a biography, but every song is an ABBA song, obviously. So it is not an original score. Now listen. I love Mamma Mia, and I love ABBA, and I think Mamma Mia, I've never seen the play, but I've seen the movie a disgusting amount of times. I think Mamma Mia does a good job of, of taking those songs and making them really make sense in a plot, and I like it. I like it a lot, and I, again, I, I don't know how popular it was at the time that Mamma Mia came out, so that might have been, like, new and exciting and interesting, but now... Really, if you look at a lot of what's on Broadway right now, there are so many jukebox musicals, whether they are telling the story of the artist who wrote all the songs or like an Anne Juliet or like a Rock of Ages where they're just taking popular songs and using them to tell a story. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I also see where that can be like a really good entry point into the theater for people who don't have background with musicals before because you go in and you hear since you've been gone and you're like, ah, oh, I love this song. And it sort of, it sort of like bridges, it sort of like walks the line between being a concert and being a show. And again, I think that can be good and I think there's space for it. But I, I guess my, my complaint is that I think there's too many of them and there's not enough original musicals or even revivals, honestly, like, I still, I love a revival. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, that's not a new musical at all, but it's a new staging, and, 
and it still has original songs and it's fun. Um, Merrily We Roll Along is coming to Broadway with like Daniel Radcliffe. So that's going to be great. Um, I am very excited. Josh Gad and forgive me, I'm forgetting his name, but the other lead from the original Book of Mormon cast are reuniting on Broadway for a new, like, I think it's called Gutenberg the Musical. And I'm excited about that. Like, that to me feels fresh and innovative. And I'm sure it's going to be funny because those two guys are so funny. And I'm sure it's going to have, like, big dance, beautiful, like, big musical numbers. So I'm really excited for that. But I do think that, like, there is sort of a dearth of musicals that I'm like super excited to see. Like when I look through my playbill and I'm like, all right, what shows are on Broadway right now that I haven't seen yet? There's a lot of shows that have been running for a while, like a Wicked or a Hamilton or a Lion King. And I'm not saying those shows should stop running because there's plenty of people who haven't seen them yet. And those shows are amazing. So they should absolutely keep running. But so there's sort of like these classics that you've, if you live close to New York and are interested in theater, you've probably seen. Um, I've seen Wicked more than once. You know, I, I love that play, but I don't need to see it again on Broadway. Now, if somebody said, hey, I have a free ticket to Wicked, I'm 100% going. I'm 100% going. I love that show. But when I'm looking in the back of my playbill at the list of all the musicals that I can see, there are definitely a couple. Um, I have yet to see Hades Town, and I, I cannot wait to see that show. I had tickets to see it two years ago, um, but COVID ruined my plans. So that was a bummer. And that was a long time ago, and I need to, like, get new tickets. So that's on me. But there are definitely shows I want to see. I actually really want to see Shocked, this new musical about corn, because I think that has the makings of being a new, iconic musical that has all the fun that, you, that I love out of a musical but still feels fresh and new. Because up until now, I feel like, for the most part, those musicals are 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 more revivals, at least for me. I guess what I'm saying is I think that there is has been a trend recently in musical theater beyond the jukebox musical and like the movie made musical, which I if I had to make an assumption, I would say is probably um, a money thing where they're like, we know people are going to come see Legally Blonde the musical because they love Legally Blonde the movie or Mean Girls, or people love Michael Jackson, they're going to go see Mike MJ. Like, I understand why those are happening, but aside from that, the other musicals that I'm seeing, I think there's a lot of value to this, but they tend to feel more like, at least for me, like what I'm looking for out of a straight play, which is that like super raw emotional experience really makes you think, like you leave the theater with like a new perspective and I guess what I'm saying is they're like maybe a little bit quieter. They're definitely a little bit sadder. They're, they have beautiful music and beautiful singing, but they don't necessarily have that spectacle that I'm looking for out of a musical. And those songs that just like lodge themselves into your brain in the best way possible. I, I would say that my favorite musical of all time is probably Hairspray. Um, I think it is just, I like, you can ask Pat. I listen to Good Morning Baltimore. I would say at least once every other week, if not once every week, whether it's like when I'm trying to like get hyped to go out or it's a really good walking down the street song. Like I love every song in the musical Hairspray. I also love every iteration of Hairspray I've ever seen. So the original movie 
the musical version of it. I saw it on Broadway when I was in high school. The new movie with Zac Efron. Love him. Um, I was in Hairspray in college. I played Amber, the mean girl, and it was my favorite stage role I have ever played. I love Hairspray because every song is fun. I love it because there is like camp humor, but there's also characters that you really care about emotionally and there's like a story and like a larger message. I love it because there's so much dancing. I love it because there's fun costumes. I just, I really love everything about Hairspray and I listen to the soundtrack a lot and that's how I know that it's a show that has stuck with me. Um, other, other favorites of mine, like Something Rotten, again, I think has that big spectacle and comedy and, and is like the perfect musical for anyone who likes musicals because it is so meta and makes fun of musicals. Uh, Wicked, I, there's a reason it's a classic. There's a reason that it's been on Broadway for so long and there's a reason that it will continue to go on in history. It is an incredible play. And again, that music is just so well composed and the lyrics are amazing and, and it's just really the best. Um, Hamilton, I, I love Hamilton, obviously everyone does, but I think Hamilton was a really good example of like finding a way to modernize musical theater without losing what has made musical theater what musical theater is for so many years. So obviously like there aren't a lot of rap musicals, but that worked, but there were still so many nods to what goes into being a classic musical, um, it's funny, there's there's a ton of spectacle in Hamilton, even though there is like bare bonesness to it as well. Um, obviously that show has a lot more emotional moments. I cried through a lot of watching Hamilton, but it also has fun moments and songs that just like get stuck in your brain. And I, I loved it. I have a hot take, which is that um, I don't actually really like Les Mis very much. <laughs> And I can feel anyone who's listened to this whole episode who is like a theater person, that's why I'm guessing you've listened to the whole thing, is probably like now has a personal vendetta against me because I said that. But listen, hear me out. I think Les Mis has some of the best songs out there. And I listen to some of the songs independently of the soundtrack, like on my own. Again, if I, if I had the voice to sing it on my own would be like a dream song. You know what I mean? Like I sing it in the shower a lot. Um, one Day More, that is an amazing song. And it, again, it has that bigness and that fullness. Les Mis, I'm sorry, that's an opera. It's not a musical. They do a, a lot of the we're going to sing our lines and just go up one note so that everything is sung. And I can't. I just can't. And maybe it's because the first time I saw it on stage, I was younger. So, like, maybe I was too young for it. But, like, that to me is, like, that ain't it. So Les Mis is certainly not a favorite of mine. I appreciate it. And I know that some of the music is like, not just know, I agree and believe that some of the music is like unbelievable and the best, but it's not for me. Into the Woods is, I already talked about this, but it's another like top tier favorite of mine. Um, if I had to pick my dream role that I could play on Broadway, it would probably either be Galinda from Wicked or Little Red from Into the Woods. I just, I think that those roles are like everything I would want. Um, the only thing I guess is Little Red, there's not really any dancing. And like I've said, I, I like a dance number. But Into the Woods is just such a good example of like 
There is so much brilliance in Sondheim's writing and and I mean, you know what, even though it gets really dark at moments, you have agony and you have other like hugely comedic moments and I don't know, that that show is is perfection if you ask me. And like then there are shows like I I went to see Dear Evan Hansen when it was on Broadway and I really enjoyed that show and I cried a lot during that show. And like maybe when I left, I sang a song or two, like looking out the window. But I guess what I'm saying is even though I enjoyed that show and I said, like, I was like, this is an amazing show. Anyone should see it. It really like gets you in your feels. I, I don't think I've really ever listened to it again. You know what I mean? Like it's not a show that I think about. It's not a show that like I get excited to play on a road trip. And I think that for me is a big part of musical theater is like, what soundtrack do I want to put on while I'm going on a long drive that I can belt along to and act out in the car? Um, and, and, you know, some shows are better live. Some shows are better, like the music is really good, but they don't translate to the show. I don't know. Anyway, my point is I love musicals. I love musicals so much. And I had so much fun seeing Little Shop because it hit all of the things that I wanted out of a musical. And I just, I'm ready for there to be more musicals made like Little Shop, like Hairspray, even, you know, even like Hamilton, Into the Woods, those ones that aren't quite as comedic, but still I think have the, I don't, I mean, I keep saying the same words. I keep saying spectacle. I keep saying bigness, but I think musicals need to be larger than life. That's why they're a musical. And I think if they're not larger than life, then it's kind of like, okay, why are these people singing? Or at least in my opinion. And that's my experience with it. And so I am, I'm ready for more giant shows to come to Broadway that, again, I feel like recently all of the giant shows that have been coming out are either movie adaptations or jukebox musicals. And I, I just want more originals. Anyway. I had so much fun being back in the theater. And every time I go, I'm like, I live in New York City. Why don't I come more? And, you know, it's expensive and life is life. So there's always things to do that aren't just like the fun things you want to do. But I want to prioritize spending more time seeing shows. It, it means a lot to me. It, it feels like going back to my roots as a musical theater kid. So that's that. It's been a crazy busy week. It's been a wonderful week. I, I hope for more of these kind of weeks of like doing things, but not just making plans for the sake of making plans and like meeting people for coffee and drinks and dinner. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I do a lot of that. But this week was just really fun because I had a lot of things to do that felt a little bit more special and a little bit more and a little bit more like an event. So I'm excited to have some more of that. So I'm excited to have some more of that. And I think fall will bring that. So anyway, uh, this is my curtain call. <laughs> what a dorky way to end the show. Um, but thanks for listening. I hope after this you feel inspired to go listen to the soundtrack of your favorite musical. And we'll talk next week. As always, you can find me wherever you get your podcasts, just like other girls. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube now if you feel so inclined, um, as well as other, like I said, interesting new kinds of content, which could be fun. 
Also, if you live in Connecticut, I am coming to Stanford on October 3rd, and I would love to see you there. It's going to be a great show. I'm always releasing new shows, and the ticket links are always on my website, shannonfeedler.com slash show, or they're on the link in my bio on my social media platforms. So um, that's the mandatory promotion that I have to do. And uh, thanks again for listening. I hope you guys have a great week, and we will talk next time.